Hey, welcome everyone today. It is so good to have you uh, with us, uh, joining with us uh, online. I've got this lovely sense coming to today that God's hand is actually just all over this message. Uh, as pastors, we prayerfully think about and, and plan and map out where we're going to go with our preaching. Uh, and months ago, we had this sense to, to jump into this series on, on magnetic, living that magnetic life. Uh, and we had no idea, obviously, what was going to happen over the past couple of weeks. And I just think the fact that this week is where everything is getting shut down and kids are staying home from school and people are working from home. The fact that this Sunday we're looking at community, man, I just experienced that as God's kindness and his providence over us as a church family. And I think we're going to see story after story, hear testimony after testimony of the way that God has shown up to be kind and generous and with us in what we're experiencing as a family of faith. So so let's jump in today. We're going to start like we often start with a question and there's going to be a chance to pause and, and talk to people around you in a second. But here's the question. Have you ever observed a group of people where you felt drawn to something about their community. Uh, Maybe it was a family or a group of friends or work colleagues. Maybe it's a team. Maybe it's a group of strangers uh, that come together for some sort of task uh, or or, uh, a common interest. That's the question. Have you ever been drawn to something about someone else's community? Why don't you hit pause right now, turn to the people that you're watching this with uh, and share your answer. Cool. Well, for me, uh, growing up, I was an individual sports guy. So the thing that comes to mind immediately is our uh, team sport. Uh, I remember our rugby team uh, in our high school. I remember looking at them and just going, man, there's something about the quality of their uh, community. You know, they're training together. They know each other's strengths and weaknesses on the field. They each have their sort of assigned roles to play. And they kind of go into battle in that sporting battle uh, every Saturday to compete. And, you know, they're in it together uh, as a team, you know, sharing victory or sometimes sharing defeat and then going out to celebrate together or, or commiserate with each other. I remember kind of looking at, at those teams and just going, wow, what a profound sense of camaraderie they seemed to have with each other. Well, today we want to think about the community that Jesus calls into being, us, the church. And it certainly seems that he has high hopes for the quality and the characteristics of our community. In fact, as you read the scriptures, you kind of come away with this sense that Jesus has really strong expectations that through our community life, that others will be drawn to us. Ultimately, that others will be drawn through us to him who is the head of the church. So if you have your Bibles, would you please open them to John chapter 17? We're going to pick up uh, part of Jesus' prayer on the night he was betrayed uh, and arrested. And we're picking it up halfway through verse 20. John 17, let's read the word together. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Can you imagine for a moment a community where people can come and experience belonging and acceptance, place and purpose unconditional love without any of the usual stuff that seems to divide people getting in the way. 
where it doesn't matter where you come from, uh, what you earn, who you vote for, what you wear, whether you're young or old, rich or poor, vegans or a meat lover, CrossFit enthusiast or an online gamer. Like, it almost seems fanciful, doesn't it? Almost naive, so far outside of the realms of possibility, because us humans seem so quick to divide and to separate based on interests and philosophies, and sometimes simply only gravitating towards people who are like us. And yet this diverse, inclusive community is exactly the kind of community that Jesus brought into being. As you read through the gospel accounts of his life, you just see person after person from all walks of life being drawn to him. Uh, He picks up people who are religious leaders. He picks up people who are on the outskirts of uh, society, the edges of society. He People are drawn to him from really dubious kind of moral backgrounds. Uh, And then you get people who are in positions of power. And so what ends up happening uh, is that you're left with this incredibly diverse community centered around Jesus. And as his earliest followers then step into being and doing church um, after his ascension to heaven, you see this kind of community continuing, uh, imperfectly at times, let's be fair, uh, but very deliberately continuing. Uh, And so you have Jews and Samaritans, Romans and Greeks all worshipping together as one. Uh, You have slaves and people who own slaves belonging to the same church community as equals as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Like, it's incredible, uh, isn't it? It's almost as if there is no longer any Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Might have read that somewhere in in the New Testament this week. Uh, Because all of them became one in Christ Jesus. Uh, Those usual distinctions have been broken down in Christ making way for this radically inclusive and outrageously countercultural community. And I think we need to understand that this was not some sort of accidental byproduct of people coming to faith in Jesus, but it was a deliberate part of Jesus' ministry and very much on his heart and part of his vision for how his church would be in the world. You see, at the end of his life, he praised the prayer that Mikey read out for us. Now, now you're not praying light, flippant things in that context, are you? You're praying the things that matter, the things that mean a lot to you. And Jesus prays that we would be one. One body, one church, one family, one community of faith. He prays that the same quality of unity and oneness that exists between him and his heavenly father... You know, just think on that for a second. He prays that the same quality of unity and oneness between him and God would be true of all of us who believe in Jesus. You see, Jesus' vision for his church is of a radically inclusive oneness built on their common unity with him. A people who know what it is to experience profound connection with each other and a genuine sense of togetherness. I don't know how you're experiencing uh, what's going on in the world at the moment, uh, but it is disorienting, isn't it, as a church family to not be able to gather together in large numbers like we normally do, or even in our small groups uh, on site. And uh, I want to really thank Celeste for just, you know, sharing on our Facebook group just how much, um, yeah, that means and she feels the loss of that in her life. Yeah, my heart breaks as well not be able to meet together. And I imagine some of you are feeling exactly the same way that, that I'm feeling, that we've lost a little bit of a sense of that connection uh, and that sense of togetherness. 
It's kind of like my life and my expression of faith is impoverished by not being able to physically meet together. And yet in this, uh, my hope is that when all our structures that we rely on have been stripped away, that we'll actually discover church is what it always has been. Us, the people, a family, a community built on our unity with Christ and our shared experience of him. You see, I think at the moment we have a chance now to learn and to prove that ours is not a community based on convenience or proximity, as if we needed a church service to know that we are the body of Christ. No, we are who God says we are, the people of God, the body of Christ, and gathered or scattered, we remain the family of faith. Now, look, I know this has not always been everyone's experience of church, because we're all imperfect. Um, and some of us are finding it really hard in this season. Uh, so I want to say like, as clearly as I can that no matter the distance between us, no matter the differences that may exist between you and I, no matter the disagreements we might have had in the past, if you follow Jesus, then you are my sister in Christ. You are my brother in Christ. We are one united together and bound together by something so precious and so significant and so supernatural. Whatever we face, we face together as one family. You are not alone. You are not excluded. You have nothing to prove. You belong here as part of the Jesus-centered family that PBC is. I just had a real sense coming into today that some of you really needed to hear that. Uh, But in the context um, of our series at the moment, I just want you to imagine the witnessing power of what it looks like for us to be this kind of community. The way that people will see and experience our oneness and be drawn not just to us, but to him who is the head of the church. Hey, so, you know, I asked a question on our Facebook group uh, this week. What do you value most about church community? And uh, thank you uh, for all those who took time uh, to respond. Uh, I love some of the answers, you know, people talking about being able to worship God together and hearing about the way that God is at work in each other's lives, being encouraged, being challenged, you know, that we're a welcoming family. No matter how broken we are, we can find acceptance and, and encouragement here. A lot of people talking about worshipping together and caring for one another. Um, being an intergenerational uh, family, uh, I really love this sense as well of, of reaching out into the community to share Jesus, light of the world. Uh, and I agree that's been my experience of church at its best as well. You see, church, when it is at its best, is a gloriously powerful experience for all those who belong to it and a really powerful demonstration and declaration of what it means uh, to be part of the kingdom of God. It demonstrates the saving power of the king of the kingdom, and that is the head of the church, Jesus. And so what I'd love you to do is just turn to someone around you and just, uh, again, there'll be a chance to pause, ask this question, when the church is at its best... What do people see, hear, and experience? When church is at its best, what do people see, hear, and experience? Why don't you pause this right now, turn to somebody around you, and share the answer to that question. Awesome. 
Hey, so look, as I said, uh, when church is at its best, uh, it's a communi- community that's observably living out the values of the kingdom of God and demonstrating the saving power of the king of the kingdom. It's not a place where the kingdom is made visible, but it's a, a people among whom and through whom the kingdom is being made visible. Right, but just think of the early church for a second. Uh, this eclectic bunch of people are thrown together, some of them so freshly saved, <laughs> you know, the water hasn't even dried off after their baptism, right? And yet there's a, a potency to their witness and the message of Jesus and the church spreads across the globe. And why? Well, I think it's just because they live out the values of the kingdom. They proclaim good news. They live good news. They are good news to the world around them. And I think the idea is that for us, that we would be a people who so authentically live out our faith together, that if people want to see for themselves what we say is true, then they simply come and observe and experience our community life. Just think about the Sermon on the Mount, for example, as a moment. Like, if people want to see what the Sermon of the Mount looks like, not just sounds like, but what does it look like, then they should be able to look to the church and see a community of peacemakers building their lives on the solid rock of Jesus' words, people who are not worried about tomorrow, who are not storing up treasures for themselves on earth. They should see a group of people um, who know what it is to, to love their enemies and pray for those who persecute them. A place where marriage is honoured and treated as sacred, where forgiveness is practised and prayer is genuine and authentic. If people want to know that Jesus is truly good news, they're looking to us to see if he is good news to us. If people want to see the power of Christ to set free and to break, uh, to bring life and to break strongholds, to heal and restore and to transform, they're looking at us to see it played out in our community. And this is right back to week one of our series, you know, that idea of don't underestimate the power of authentic and observable faith genuinely lived out. When we actually do this together as a community, in community, ah, oh man, the potency of that witness is just multiplied and people are able to see and maybe even to experience something like the love of the Father as we express love amongst ourselves and towards them. Hey, I came across a, a book this week um, by Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlop um, called The Compelling Community where God's power makes a church attractive. Uh, and I just have to say, right off the bat, what an amazing title, and I'm a little bit jealous that that's already been stolen for a book title. Um, but they write this, uh, this is page 194 if you ever want to go look it up. And they write this, Our greatest confirmation of the gospel is the community of the local church. And so therefore, our best strategy for reaching the world is to fan that community into a raging inferno of supernatural witness. That, that will be far more attractive than any adjustment to our music, small groups, or sermons could ever be. <laughs> amen, right? I am hoping that somewhere in a lounge room across Sydney, someone is yelling amen at their television screens. <laughs> that our greatest confirmation of the gospel is us, the local church, making the invisible kingdom made visible. And so our best strategy is to fan ourselves, this community, into a raging inferno of supernatural witness. Look, as you know, our theme for this year has been and continues to be salt and light. Being salt and light with Jesus to see lives being transformed. 
And I came across a website uh, this week, um, Salt and Light, and I'll, I'll link it below. Uh, and it comes from our brothers and sisters in the church in Singapore. And they're experiencing much well, the same that we are at the moment, not being able to gather in large numbers and community restrictions and going online to stream and things like that. Uh, and there's a collection of these stories uh, on this website of the how the church is actually stepping up to be the church and to be this visible demonstration of the love of God to their community around them. Uh, and I love reading some of these stories. Uh, so you can go and check it out for yourself. But one example was from Cornerstone Community Church, who just recognized that the taxi drivers are part of their community at the moment that are being really hard hit financially uh, because people aren't flying in and out of airports and, and things like that. And so I wanted to bless the taxi drivers um, by providing meals for them and lunch boxes um, for them so they didn't have to spend money on that or, or worry about that. But they recognized that catering companies were also another group that was being financially hit. So they wanted to bless them too. So instead of making the lunchboxes, they ordered the lunchboxes through these catering companies in order to bless the taxi drivers. And one of the pastors from that church, he, he quotes, he's quoted as saying um, this, that we felt that this isn't time for us as a church to hunker down and simply take care of our own. Instead, we are presented with a Kairos opportunity to reach out and to bring hope and care to the community in a time of need and fear. Another story came out of Christ Methodist Church, um, who asked healthcare workers at Shanghai General Hospital what they would like to receive. And the quote is that there was a resounding scream for ice cream, which makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and then the church actually then just immediately responded by sending across 2,000 tubs of ice cream uh, and all these sort of written notes and just expressions of love and care and support uh, for these really vital workers uh, in their um, country at the time. Uh, a few small groups for, from another church actually have been adopting uh, groups of nurses uh, to deliberately pray for them and to send them notes of encouragement uh, and to be able to bless them with parcels wherever possible. Hey, I love this stuff. And, and one of the pastors, he writes, you know what? It's the love of God that compels us. You know, we are trying to encourage our members and our small groups to look out, to love others and to not become self-absorbed about self-preservation in this COVID-19 season. You see, these churches realize that they are perfectly positioned by God to be a blessing, to be salt and light, to make the kingdom of God visible amongst their neighbors and hospitals and communities in this time. A living, breathing, tangible expression of the love of God. PBC family, what an amazing opportunity we have right now to be the church not just to struggle with the questions of how do we do church, because I think we'll work that out. We'll do things like this. Youth group was online on Friday night. I know small groups are meeting via Zoom, and hey, phones still work, so you can still pick up the phone and call people and connect with them. Now, the far more important question is, is how do we be the church in this season? How do we step up to be the kind of community that makes the kingdom of God visible in our country, in our state, in our local communities right now? And as, as the service uh, ends, I'd actually love it um, if you 
took some time to actually brainstorm some of the ways that we could be the church uh, as um, as PBC family. You know, get out a pen and paper or, or get out a device and actually list just a bunch of ways that we could step into this place of being the church right now. And then actually commit to stepping into some of those, maybe on your own as a family group, maybe in partnership with others from your small group. Um, but we've almost got limitless uh, ways of stepping into this and stepping up to this as a church family at the moment. And I really encourage you to do that. Um, have that brainstorm after the service ends. Well, I'm pretty sure that it's not a long weekend unless there is three days as part of it. And you know it's not a Travis sermon unless there's three points. So the final point uh, for this morning uh, is this, and it's one we, we know really well, so we'll keep this brief. That the community that Jesus calls into being is a community that is marked by love. I've said this over and over and over again in the six years that I've been part of this church family. That love is the distinctive characteristic of the community of faith. Love is the distinctive characteristic of the community of faith. This is what Jesus commands us to do and how to be in relationship with each other. And this is the one thing that he expects the world around us to sit up and take note of and respond to, be drawn to. Uh, It comes from a very well-known verse or two from John chapter 13. This is 34 and 35. Where Jesus, he very clearly instructs, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, right? So there's, there's the standard, there's the example, or there's the quality of the love that we have, that we are to have for each other. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this we'll all know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, it's love. Love that is supposed to define us. Love is what is supposed to set us apart. Love is what is supposed to identify us as followers of Jesus, as a community of faith. Now, we speak about this a whole bunch in the life of our church. So all I'm going to say to that today is, yes, absolutely. And that if you want to explore some of the ways that you can be doing this, uh, we spent October and November last year uh, looking at the one another verses uh, in the New Testament all the ways that we can practically outwork this love towards each other. So go online and have a re-listen, reacquaint yourself with that. Maybe even uh, download the study guide material again and and, and work your way um, through that. But look, as we end, I just want to think about and maybe brainstorm some ways that we could be loved to each other in this season. You know, I think love looks like finding ways to continue spurring each other on in faith. That mandate has not lifted off us, and perhaps some of us need this more than ever before. I think at the moment, love looks like being mindful of those who are socially isolated, or maybe digitally isolated, as there's been this sudden shift uh, to online community. I think love looks like prayerfully upholding those we know who are experiencing heightened anxiety and fear at the moment, or maybe just feeling flat out overwhelmed. I think love looks like not hoarding more toilet paper than you need. (laughs) It just makes sense, right? I mean, unless, of course, you're planning on way upping the fiber content of your daily uh, eating regime, in which case, hey, bless you as you do that. But I think love looks like going out of our way to be kind and thankful and supportive to our essential services. That is our supermarket employees, our teachers, our medical staff as a country. I think love looks like financially supporting those we know have been financially hit at the moment, maybe have even lost their jobs in response to the uh, coronavirus restrictions. 
I think love looks like being protective of those who are immunocompromised or particularly vulnerable. And I think love looks like being proactive in simply reaching out to each other, checking in on each other. Are you okay? How can I be praying? Is there any practical way that I can support you at the moment? And you can add your own by simply finishing the sentence, I think love looks like... You see, the church that Jesus calls into being is a beautiful and a powerful community. One that is a blessing to all who belong to it and through whom they get to reach out with the life-saving hope and message of Jesus. We are one. One church, one family, one community of faith who together are making the kingdom of God visible to those around us. And we're going to do this and everything we do in love. So are you ready, church? Then I bless you in the name of Jesus to be the church this week to each other and to the world around us. And may this be to the glory of God through the power of the Spirit that Jesus would be made known through our life and our witness. Amen. Bless you heaps. We'll see you soon.